when the news came out that like Tress was gonna have to leave, it was like literally someone died. It was like a funeral. Literally, like someone died. And any feelings of victory from the sugar bowl or any that just way. It almost like it took me till after college to appreciate the sugar bowl win and stuff because like you said, that high to low, back to high, back to low is just crazy. And it was just crazy from the media outlets, like swarming the city to hitting you up on social media. You know, social media kind of just started popping as far as like everything outside of Facebook, Twitter and whatnot. And it was just crazy. It was a madhouse, right? And then me personally, that spring, in the spring game, I broke my fibula, right? So I'm getting off of my junior year, hoping to get so much more playing time, having the interception. I'm in the spring game. All while this is going on, right? The scandal. So the spring game was before Coach Stress had to leave, but broke my ankle. (laughs) So I'm on crutches for 12 weeks. I'm being told that like my leg will never heal. I need microfracture surgery. And then, you know, Coach Tress has to leave. So it was just a very dark, dark time. Honestly, if I look at it now, that Sugar Bowl game was like, that was the end of football for me. In case you haven't noticed, we love podcasts. In fact, we love building podcasts, everything from development to production. Because of all that, we're building a one-of-a-kind podcast network. If you have a podcast or looking to launch a new podcast, then we should talk. You can message me on Twitter at Eric underscore Kaz or hit us up any way that works for you. Let's talk about your podcast joining this one-of-a-kind podcast network. Just had homecoming this past weekend and yeah. got to see some of the fellas. They was all over the place, so yeah. I really enjoyed myself, man. You said you had stopped by, was the former players tailgate? I think it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just funny, man, because I know I was talking to you. I don't know. Let me ask you this. I don't remember us when we played putting a big emphasis on homecoming. I know it was a game. Being involved, being in the team, you don't realize all the stuff that's going on outside, like the, all the events and tailgates and all the people coming back. And so it's so funny now that, you know, we're done playing, how much homecoming means to us. You right. know, it's homecoming. You get to go back. I do a little thing where I go take a walk through campus every year. but. I just was thinking, I was like, when I was at the game and I was like, did we ever like really know what really homecoming was? So, nah, not really. I want to say when we were there, the only thing that Coach Trust would do, he would like take the captains out and they would go okay. speak. Yeah. But outside of that, it was kind of like, yeah, focused solely on football. So, yeah. I think it's where all the old heads, we love a homecoming because we get to see all the, all yeah. the teammates and just reminisce. It's big for us, for sure. I know high school ball homecoming was, you know, you got the homecoming dance and the homecoming game was big. So it was just interesting. I was literally thinking that the players on the field, you know, realize it. But it's just cool, man. It's cool to get back, see campus, see a lot of old homies and stuff. Mm -hmm. It makes you feel good. I mean, it's as simple as that. Going through the ups and downs of the four or five years that, you know, were there. You kind of forget those things sometimes as life goes on, you know, kids, family, jobs and stuff. So it's good to kind of tap back into it. So beautiful, beautiful thing. Yeah, I loved it. I actually saw we had the unveiling of the MPHC Plaza mm. right there on campus. So before that happened, I actually saw uh, Depot. 
Mm-hmm. He goes up there and his son Drew, he actually gave a speech there. So it was kind of dope. So we saw him and even uh, Gene Smith was up there too. Oh, yeah. And his wife actually uh, donated to the, the plaza as well. So mm-hmm. it was just good seeing the fellas, like you were saying. And players, I don't think we put as big of an emphasis on it just because yeah. like, we're so focused on football. But those players don't realize, like, once the ball is done, mm-hmm. like, you're on. It's going to be very rare that you see your teammates like you do oh, yeah. while you're on campus playing ball. So it just means more to us. I mean, Coach Trust used to say the same thing when it came to just different things, whether it be running out of the shoe and yeah. I mean, team dinners over at the golf course. Like, yeah. to us, it was just kind of routine. But as you get older, those things start to mean more. So well, yeah. I always get back and, and see the people. That's for sure. Honestly, I think it took a couple years, right? Because, you know, to be honest, and I know we can relate to this, but maybe not everyone, but the first couple of years removed is hard. You have a bitter feeling. You almost feel used, you know, especially guys like us who are constantly fighting for playing time, constantly dealing with injuries. I'm going to be honest with you, it was hard for me to go back. At least for three years, I kind of didn't want to. I was butthurt or bitter, call it whatever you want. But, you know, a lot of it's, you know, self-inflicted. I know we're going to get into <laughs> Some of the off the field antics and stuff. I know me and you always talk about, man, if I would have just put a little more time in the film room and whatnot. But it was hard going back, bro. Just sitting there. And it's almost like a breakup in a sense. But then later on, you start to appreciate that person or that relationship. But it was hard going back. I honestly wanted nothing to do with O State or football. You know, we got homies that they, they can't even watch football. You know, I had a homie, Boogie Lawrence, he, you know, for years, he would tell me he didn't watch football. So it's one of those things where it's like kind of bittersweet, to be honest with you. And again, I know you can relate. Now, maybe not everyone feels this way. I know for us, it's hard, we, man. We also had a different experience. The only people that can, I guess, really relate to what we went through were yeah. those who went from like Cooper to Trestle to Paris. Yeah. If we were done, it was a whole new regime. Yeah. To the yeah. point where yeah. they didn't even want us there. You know what I mean? We yeah, had to change over in bigs and stuff together, and it was a different regime, and we didn't really feel like we were welcome, right? So yeah. I think our experience was a little bit different than most people, I would say. But yeah, man, I mean, those first couple of years, I know we talked about it a few podcasts ago, Eric, but when you go out there and you see somebody wearing your number, and you're like, oh, hey, man. that's why you should be. <laughs> and what am I supposed to do now? And you just, you're just watching it. Yeah, yeah, like you said, it kind of does feel like that breakup and list of regrets, the woulda, shoulda, coulda. And yeah. as we grow up and we start to value those relationships, I think that's when it's easier for us to come back. And yeah. I know with Coach Day, what he's done for the alumni and actually really welcomed us with open arms and allowed us back to the facility and watching the practices and all those other things, that really helped us out a lot, for sure. Oh, yeah, I would agree with that. I forget sometimes that, you know, the pandemic, COVID, did affect Ohio State, right? And so for two of the last years, the facilities were closed, obviously, just like everything else. So I kind of forget about that sometimes because it just seems like such a long time. But I've talked to different people about the regime change, like coaching change, and it's just one of those things, not to knock to anybody in the urban coaching group, but they were dealing with us getting in trouble, right? So myself and the five other gentlemen that got in trouble for the tattoo scandal, I kind of don't blame them. You kind of got to close the doors. You had this looming NCAA investigation over it. You kind of didn't know, you know, if there was anything else to come from it. So I think that might have been something that played into parts of the closed door policy. Now, 
to your point, it wasn't close to everybody, but guys like us who were fighting for playing time, you know, it kind of felt a little extra close. So, and then back to Coach Dang, yeah, Coach Dang, I always tell people, like, he's made it home for us, right? Just being able to go back, some of the events, right, just the alumni golf outing that we did, and then the practice where we get to watch and eat with the team, it's huge. It really does make you feel appreciated because every class, you build those things, right? You build the new facilities and <laughs> the new jerseys and the sweet weight room and stuff. It doesn't just start today, right? It started, you know, five, 10 years ago. So it is a good feeling of appreciation. And here's something else that adds on. I was joking with one of our buddies, Maurice Hall. I was walking up the stairs at the stadium and, you know, I ain't got no cartilage in my ankle and your shoulders tore up and your knees tore up. It just feels good that, you know, you sacrifice things like your body or concussions and mental health. It feels like for something, right? It doesn't feel like it's for weight, so... It is a good feeling to go back and to be appreciated. Yeah. Yeah, man. He said it, dog. We <laughs> sacrificed so much. I mean, I remember after our last game, first Florida over in the Gator Bowl, I know you yeah. had surgery. Like, mm-hmm. I picked you up. I picked you up from the hospital and it took you yeah. back to the crib. So, yeah. yeah, man, all those injuries and everything and to have like kind of the door shut for yeah. a while, it hurt. But, you know what I'm saying? Coach Day did a great job. Uh, opening the facility back up for, you know, everybody. And we got to experience that. And being around the teammates this weekend and being on campus was great. It was good for the spirit. It was good for the soul. Yeah. You know what I mean? Got to check in on people. And then just reminisce on different stories and experiences. I mean, I walked past, <laughs> I walked past uh, Worthington movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, while we were there, and I was just sitting there thinking about, man, we really were... In the dorm, on the second floor, by the way, 2.30, we were there, like, throwing parties in our dorms. Like, <laughs> no, I do not recommend any college student do this. Yeah. However, <laughs> we had a blast, I will say that. So, so we always said we were the first class of these in the dorms on the 10th, the Worthington and then the Marketplace mm-hmm. dorms. But we technically weren't. I think the class before us, 06, got to stand there. For like a summer or something. Yep, yep. But we were the first class of just the new style of dorms, right? They were taking the student athletes, not just the football players, because in our dorm, we had the volleyball girls upstairs. And the marketplace building was the basketball players. So we were like the first class to have the new kind of apartment style dorms. So, you know, a lot nicer, a lot bigger. And <laughs> we kind of took advantage of that. The thing about, and I think they still do this is with football, we move up here in the summer. So we move up right after graduation to high school. So you're up all summer for summer training and stuff. Honestly, the summertime is kind of boring. There's not a lot of students and stuff on campus, but you're still up here getting acclimated. And then obviously the fall. And so this is what I was excited to talk about. Is this the process, right? A lot of people don't know like what it's like the red shirt process. Or, so when you're registered, right? Basically, essentially, you're getting another year at the end of your college career when you're a little more ready to play if that is depth, if that is size and strength, whatever it may be. So when you're registered, you don't travel with the team. So on away games, we had 6 a.m. workouts on Friday in the off-season when you're registered. No, in-season as well, right? We had to go on Fridays. And then essentially, you're a college kid. You have the whole weekend (laughs) to be a college kid. So, you know, we took advantage of it. We had a lot of parties in our dorm. I mean, ain't no way around it. The funny thing about it is 
really wasn't that bad. I think we maybe only got rode up once. But all right, I think only yeah. really got out of control one time. Just one time. I think it. once, but it was just a fun time. It was fun to the point where older guys who lived on campus and had their own apartments <laughs> were coming to campus <laughs> to kick it with us. So it was just fun, man. Me and Nate, we were social. We were red-shirted. And a lot of times with the red-shirting process, it's not really your say, right? You know, your coaches tell you a lot of times it's depth. And again, it's a very humbling process, right? And when I got registered, I had Vernon Goldstein, <laughs> Thaddeus Gibson, I think Kurt Terry, Lawrence Wilson. My depth chart at defensive end was ridiculous, right? And it's so funny nowadays they have the transfer portal because most guys will look at that depth and just hop into the transfer portal. I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a little different back then. You had to humble yourself and show up every day and fight. It's hard work. I mean, we always talk about the second and third string is kind of what makes your team, right? If you have that depth, right, guys on second string, you're taking reps with twos and threes and maybe sometimes the ones. So it really, really is the kind of to see how deep your team is, you judge it off your second string. So it's kind of crazy dynamics of it. And I'm kind of interested to see how it is now, right? Obviously, they still do have first, second, third string, but the transfer portal just changes things. But getting red shirt is kind of, Kind of sucks. I don't think anyone is happy about being red shirt. And so I feel like we kind of took it and it's like, hey, man, let's enjoy college. <laughs> uh, we 100% took advantage of that. When I saw Devere on Saturday, I believe it was, we were just talking. Yeah. And I looked at him and I said, bro, I remember when you used to drive up from Cincinnati in the Jetta and come to Kansas on campus. And we just started laughing. He said, yeah, bro, the Jetta. We brought up the Jetta, man, the all-black mm-hmm. Jetta. We used to drive that thing up. And our freshman year, was the Veer used to come up. And then uh, Mike. Mike Adams, he used to yeah. come through. Yeah, man. So, I mean, we had a great time. I mean, there's a lot of stories from that red shirt year. Yeah. Even on, like, our red shirt ritual. It was funny because on Fridays, like Sally was saying, we had the 6 a.m. workouts. And then I had, I think, one class at like mm-hmm. like 9.30 on Friday. Yeah. I'm not too sure if Sally had classes or not. But hey, no, I didn't have a- <laughs> Yeah, like, once I got done, like we went to Marketplace, got something to eat, yeah. maybe took a nap, and then it was, it was, it was home. <laughs> it was home. <laughs> Let me tell you a story. I'll never forget one time. Because I was a smaller guy. I would struggle to gain weight. Always have to weigh in, like after a weekend or something. <laughs> I'll never forget. We must have been drinking 40s like all week. Cause I gained like eight pounds or 10 pounds or something. <laughs> I remember like somehow, cause you go in the, the training room and either Coach Chess or Coach Haycock said something. How did you put on 10 pounds over the weekend? <laughs> I was like, oh, man, just, I don't know. <laughs> Straight beer weight. Yeah. So <laughs> the little stories like that is funny, but. Yeah, and I'm sure everybody, every class has their own stories about campus, how fun campus is. Ours, you know, being in the dorms, and then we just were <laughs> a little more rowdy, man. The house parties and stuff. It was fun. It was a fun time. And I low-key miss it. Well, I walked on campus on Saturday, and it's just like, damn. damn. And it just brings back all the little memories. The little pizza spot on the 11. What was it, Catfish Biffs? Yeah, Catfish Biffs. Yes. Yeah. Little gems like that, little gems and Hangover Easy and the Yunkin. And this is very kind of like weird. But when I'm walking on campus, just the parking, 
Right, you'll be walking. Mm-hmm. Everyone's just trying to find little parking spots, squeezing in the little loading zones. Mm-hmm. Everyone knew what the little low key loading zones were. So you know, you could be walking to class and see, you know, anyone. So just little gems like that, man. It just made it made things fun, man. It made things beautiful. So yeah, dog, it was great for sure. I mean, those are the fun times, right? But those are the fun times. <laughs> no, they were also the bad times. Yeah, man. Well, actually, this is kind of a fun time, but also a bad time. But just a quick story for you, Eric. Yeah. So we were down in New Orleans in 2007. <laughs> uh, national Championship versus LSU. Like Sally said, we were red-shirted. So that right. entire time, I mean, we went to practice. We did our thing, but mm-hmm. spent a lot of time on Bourbon Street. <laughs> man. Way, way too much time on Bourbon Street. You know, way too much. But it was what it was. Man. <laughs> Oh, we played the game. Yeah. Unfortunately, yes, we did lose. We lost bad. <laughs> the crazy thing about it is, first play of the game, being well, it took off. Had like a crazy touchdown run. So, like, it took, off. took off. And it was like a false sense of life. And then it was all bad. Yeah, it was all bad. So, all you know, bad. after the game, I'm like, man, I'm mad. <laughs> but, you know, got one more night here, Sally. Let's go and get it. So, Ooh. you know, we went on Bourbon Street and I mean, listen, I guess I'm grown now. There were a lot of hurricanes in just Hurricanes. It was the 151 in Everclear. Yeah, let's just get uh, down to the nitty-gritty of it. Yeah, you know, it down there, they use 151 in Everclear in their drinks. And we've been drinking it through the week, but I think it just caught up to me. <laughs> I think I had one too many hand grenades. I mean, one too many. One too many. I mean, it was a lot. A lot of Everclear. I think I'm going to take shots of Everclear, too. Man, yeah, it, was, it was pretty yeah. bad, if we're being honest. So... Get back to the hotel room. I think we had to leave at like eight o'clock that morning. Yeah, it was early. I think we got back at like four. <laughs> I don't know. I remember waking up because I set an alarm. Edge was hurting. <laughs> Wake Sally up like, yo, bro, we got to go downstairs for breakfast. Yeah. Said, All right, bro, cool. So I'm getting dressed. I'm walking out the door. I see Sally getting dressed. Cool. I go to breakfast. I think I grabbed like a bagel and I went yeah. straight to the bus. Put my hood up and I literally went to sleep because I mean, that's what you do after a whole night on Bourbon Street, right? So while I'm on the bus, I wake up because I'm hearing like all this whispering and then this whispering became like louder and chattering. Next thing I know is like, yo, Sally's not on a bus. Where's Sally at? Where's Sally in it? Who was his roommate? And I'm kind of sitting there like, what's his roommate? I mean, you want me to go and get him? And as I stand there to go and get him, they're like, no, Nick, just sit down. We got to go. I'm like, where I could have went to go get him? Like, yeah. it wasn't that big of a deal. But I was like, all right, whatever. So I get on the plane. It just so happened. As I sit down, Coach Fick is sitting Fick. in front of me <laughs> and his family. And then the whispers are still going. Like, What's going on? Where's Solomon at? I'm like, yo, I hope Coach Fick don't look back at me. And he literally turned around. He goes, Nate, weren't you his roommate? What's happening? I said, Coach, I don't know. It was a long night. What do you mean it was a long night? What do you mean it was a long night? It was a long night for everybody. And I was like, yeah, I mean, yes, it was a long night, but you don't understand. It was a long night for us. So I get back to campus. Everyone's like looking like, bro, how'd you leave Solomon? How'd you leave Solomon? I said, bro, I don't know what happened other than woke up. He got dressed. I walked out the door. Like looking back on it, the only thing I could have done was like wait until like yeah, we both nah. walked out at the same time. But I was like, duh. Yeah. So 
Charlie has part two of this story. <laughs> yeah, part two. Yeah, that's a great introduction. Part two, yeah. We were just on Bourbon Street. So all week, again, right, we're red shirted. So you go to practice and like, when you're young, you kind of enjoy the city, right, wherever you're at. And obviously when you get older, and you get a little more playing time and stuff, you kind of dial it down. But it's just like, well, how old were we? 18, 19 years old. And, you know, that's rough on Bourbon Street when you just don't know. So anyways, yeah, the hand grenades, the hurricanes and all that. <laughs> It's kind of up to me. Now, you got to understand, I'm not, I'm beyond blacked out, so I don't really remember a lot, but there's some things I do remember, right? So I don't remember waking up and putting on gloves or getting dressed. I don't remember that, obviously. I don't remember getting home, anything like that. But I do remember it was, I, this is always when I tell the story, I remember how bright the sunlight was coming through the hotel room. So I knew it was way beyond 8 a.m., and I just remember seeing this figure sitting on the end of my bed with his back to me and it was Coach Trestle. And he's like, you better have your butt in the hallway in 10 minutes. So I'm leaving your <laughs> butt in New Orleans. And again, I'm so distraught. I'm like, whoa, what? Like, it's crazy. Now, I did make this right because my bag was already packed. So either I packed it that night before or that morning. And I was in my bowl sweats. So when we have a bowl game, you get bowl sweats. So I must have just literally sat on the bed and laid on the bed. And went back to sleep. So Coach Tressel was in the room. He's like, I'm leaving you in Orleans. you outside. So I walk downstairs. There's a state highway patrolman, a Louisiana state patrolman. And I'll just never forget. He turns his sirens on and speeds me to the airport onto the runway. So usually when the team travels, you have one plane that's like for the players, wives and stuff like that. And then the second plane is for all the administration, like the cheerleaders and stuff and any like other moving parts so the second plane was had to wait for me and i don't know how long they've been out there but they've been <laughs> up there on that runway for a while and this is a laughing matter now but it wasn't laughing matter then i'm gonna tell you that much so the highway patrolman he takes me out to the runway and i get on the plane everyone starts booming me <laughs> <laughs> now mind you i don't know and this is not bragging or boasting. I do not recommend this to any 18 or 19 year old to be underage drinking, especially Everclear. But I'm still drunk. I mean, I'm still drunk. The Everclear one is still going hard. So I get on the plane, everyone starts booing me. I'm drunk, so I'm getting a little snippy back, like, what the hell y'all want for, you know? So, anyways, we get on the plane, we get in the air, we get back to Columbus. And so when we traveled, there was always a U-Haul that would stay and pick up all of our luggage, bring it back to the Woody. So we get to the Woody. Obviously, everyone's upset or late. But at this time, it's really blown over. Everyone's like, whatever. We just lost. And after your bowl game, you get like two or three weeks off. It's like the off season. So I get my suitcase at the Woody, and I'm trying to get the hell up out of here. I'm trying to get back to campus. I just, I'm back to the doors. I just want to sleep. And I remember walking through the hallway, and I remember walking so fast to the point, like, I was rolling my suitcase, but I just picked it up. And I remember, I don't know how Coach Lichter, who was our strength and conditioning coach, saw me. Because I, I think I took, like, another hallway or something, or maybe I went through the field and tried to go out the back door. And he goes, where the hell do you think you're going? I'm like, going home, man. Like, the season's over. He's like, nah, go put on your tights. And I told this to Tim on, on Tim's little thing, and I'll never forget. Remember, he made me do barrel rolls. <laughs> barrel rolls is where you gotta, where you just roll from end zone to end zone. 
bro. And I don't know how many I did. I had to do barrel rolls, bear crawls, and sled pushes. And I couldn't make myself throw up, bro. I was dying. And it's so funny that I'm not lying. When I got back to the dorm, I was still drunk, bro. I was still drunk, man. And probably in fashion of us, how we were going in our dorms, so we probably drank that night. I mean, you know, I'm not going to lie. Probably had a good 40 night. <laughs> but yeah, that was, whew. Here's the beautiful thing about it. I never did that again. <laughs> never missed a flight again. Nope. Yeah. So Eric, yeah. as you can see, our red shirt year, actually all of our years, but really our red shirt year. What's up, Douglas? Man. Let me ask you guys, either one of you take this one. You talked about the transfer portal a little while ago, and it's impossible to put yourself back there. Would you have transferred? And maybe you even thought of it, because you know you could have transferred, but you have to sit out a year, and that changes everything. I'm just going to keep it real. Yeah. Hell yeah. I mean, I don't ever regret anything, but like, you know, back then, like, it was harder to transfer, and like, I don't know, it was like kind of, but now that it's easier, hell yeah. Yeah. I mean, hell yeah. I mean, just the depth for me, and this is just me personally. For sure. Like me personally, I think I had a good work ethic. I think I could pass rush. I don't think I was shit against stopping the run. I wasn't big enough or good enough to play Big Ten football at that time. I was a smaller defensive end. Tell you, but the competition here, the winning here, the coaching here, the team camaraderie here was a bar none. Yeah. As far as playing, strictly playing, hell yeah, I would have been out of here as soon as I seen that depth. I mean, like I said, what? Yeah. I got just studs in front of me, like Cam Hayward, Lawrence Wilson. And since now that I'm older, but when you're younger, like at that time, it's like competition. Like, oh, I don't want to be like a sucker. I don't want to leave. Like everyone might think you're, because I mean, it was frowned upon a transfer. It's almost like you're dropping out of like the military or something. Like you're soft. You can't cut it. Now, now with the transfer portal, it's like, you miss me with all that. It's a business decision now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You call me what you want. Yeah. 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 Spoke, but, oh, yeah. I mean, I thought about Toledo because that's when mm-hmm. Coach Beckman went back over there. But there were plenty of times I remember the conversation. It was me and Donnie Evich. And I think Nate Ebner actually came mm-hmm. to the house a little bit later. But, man, we were looking at possibly even transferring down to Duke. Like, I was like, mm-hmm. I just want to play at this point. And yeah. me and Coach Haynes were button heads and this, that, mm-hmm. and it was like, and, I mean, he didn't recruit me. The first time mm. I talked to Coach Haynes was when I showed up on campus. That was mm. my first convo. Because mm-hmm. the people that recruited me were Coach Beckman, and then I think Coach Pitt came up to Cleveland to see me mm-hmm. a couple times, too. So, like, it was just awkward. But, yeah, to answer your question, definitely would have left. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that crazy, though, that coaches could go, right? Yeah. The coach that recruited you, they could leave, and they didn't have mm-hmm. to sit out. And then all of a sudden, there's impacting players, and that you couldn't, and they had... They didn't have any attachment. They didn't see you grow through the system, right? I mean, it was, no. a, it was a business decision. Now, mm-hmm. they, yeah. The rules have changed, but back then it was kind of like, well, they yeah. told you you're committed to this university for X, Y, Z. But what they don't tell you when you sign that letter of intent, at least back then, was that your scholarship was one year renewable. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, that's a little underlining thing. Luckily, we didn't really have a lot of coach change. Nate did. I would say as a whole, we really didn't have any two like drastic coach changes. We were lucky at that. But it's funny because again, with life and maturity, you just get older and you see things different. You just mature, right? And again, like I said, when you first get done, you have this bitter feeling 
kind of you against the world. And this for me, point fingers. And, you know, and it's so funny because my coach, Coach Haycock, he was a tough nosed dude, but he was honest. And I remember he used to always ask, me and him used to butt heads a lot. And he'd always ask me, like, who do you think you should be playing over? (laughs) He'd always say, like, yeah, you might be able to pass for us, but who do you think you're better than? I'm the step list. And, you know, it's a very honest, real question. It's like, damn, dad can pass rush, Cam can do both. So it's just very honest. But now, man, yeah. I think the thing that made it tough and the only thing that kind of, and I know you can relate to this, Nate, is just Coach Tress, right? Coach Tress was like this, like Yoda figure. I feel like I wouldn't want to disappoint him or like let him down in a sense like that. So. He might grab you and put some game on you. <laughs> and, you know, you might be like, damn, all right, I'll stay. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, Coach Trust was definitely a big reason on why I think a lot mm-hmm. of people stay, right? Because you didn't want to, like, disappoint them, number one. Yeah. But also, like, I'll speak to it. For at least from my experience, like, <laughs> what people don't realize is, like, I kind of put myself in the doghouse. But oh, yeah. it was just not put on in public. It wasn't like I failed a drug test or I did XYZ. But like, I was put in the doghouse, but he protected it, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? So it was like, there's plenty of times where he could have outed me and said, hey, he's not XYZ, blase, blase, blase. But what Coach Stress always did was, you know, he's a wonderful young man. He's still grown. Mm -hmm. He's XYZ. Mm -hmm. And he protected you that way. So it felt like you owed him, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, And you know, that's a great point. Like, just accountability. Shout out to my homie Eugene Clifford, man, because <laughs> me and Eugene, Nate, me and Eugene, like, Eugene was in our class. He was from Cincinnati, Coleraine. And there's just no way around it. We both were just bad, right? Like, just dumb. Always getting in trouble, dumb stuff. Like, we probably need a three-hour-long podcast about the dumb stuff I did. And you're right, like, all Coast Stress wanted to see us be mature, Right, you kind of stopped doing those things. You're right. That's a very good point. He did protect you, and you felt like it was a family. You felt like he cared. He honestly cared. So it was almost like turning your back on your family, all while you're going through this. Like, like you're getting mind, you know, screwed, playing time and depressed and like anxious, trying to fight for playing time and dealing with your position coach. And then it was always like that, like relieving feeling of like team meetings and quiet time with Coach Trash, it kind of brought you back home. And it was such a beautiful thing. And it's funny hearing your perspective on it, Nate, because, you know, I've, like I said, I feel like everyone would have the same perspective. But it was funny because, like I said earlier, you got your first-string guys, but then everyone else on the team is not first-string, fighting for playing time or special teams guys. And you have these relationships with everybody, man. Guys like Grant Schwartz. I, Grant just <laughs> my mind. And it's like, my God, such a good dude. And Anyone and everyone, you know, loved this dude and, like, respected him. And so that's another thing I feel like, in a sense, you have more respect kind of staying and fighting it out. You have that brotherhood, right? Things like homecoming mean something to you because you didn't transfer and stuff like that. So you can come home. Yeah. And, like, using Grant, for example, like, Grant could ball. Grant could play the game. It was just Mm -hmm. that constant mental battle of, I have to Mm -hmm. continue to compete. Mm -hmm. I have to be somewhat perfect on everything in order for me to have a shot. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, Grant was Grant was a dog. Which, I mean, yeah. I don't have to say this, but a lot of people already know this. 
Like when you go to a place like Ohio State, like everybody's good. Everybody, bro. Everybody's good. Everybody. <laughs> everybody's good. And then not only that, though, every year you've got a young dude coming out of high school who's good. Everybody. Don't get injured. You get injured, it's over. Or if you do get injured, make sure it's in the spring. Yeah. Yeah. So I came in and I had this depth lift, a depth chart ahead of me. And then for my specific position, I had Nate Williams and Johnny Simon and JT Moore coming right after me. So I'm like, not only do I got three years of dudes ahead of me, I got three dudes behind me, just dogs. And I'm like, but you know, iron sharpens iron and, you know, just not transferring. I feel like that's huge, but yeah. But you not transferring allowed us to win that Sugar Bowl too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that was <laughs> yeah. huge because <laughs> that dude, yeah. Malik was out there driving. Like, so funny story is, you know, the Sugar Bowl was in the exact same place that the LSU game our freshman year. So for those freshmen who didn't rush her, like Cameron Hayward, and Brian Rowe, their first ever bowl game was in the Sugar Bowl against LSU, and their last ever bowl game was Sugar Bowl against Arkansas. So it was like a beautiful circle, right? And you can tie it in multiple ways, like my dumb ass missing the plane, <laughs> the first bowl game in New Orleans, and then, you know, grace of God, I get to go out on the same field in the same city and contribute to the win, you know what I mean? That was my main Not thing. Not just contribute. Time. Game-winning yeah. interception. Come on, yeah. bro. I ain't gonna let you just say contribute, bro. Well, that was the game-winning interception. One of my things that always being a second-string guy, I always wanted just to contribute, like, to be a part. And to your point, Nate, like, it's just so turned out, by the grace of God, it wasn't contribute, it was a win. But I always just wanted to be involved. It never was like, let me game-winning interception, but let me be on the field on third downs to get our team off the field on third downs. You know, Coach Haycock, we always put a big emphasis on third down, third down, money down. And that was the time that I would get on the field, third down and pass rush. So it was always like, man, I just want to contribute. You know, you're going to big wins like Michigan games or Wisconsin games, which I ain't playing against Wisconsin because <laughs> I ain't stopping the run. Let's just be honest. <laughs> I can't do it. But anyways, so it was a full circle being on that field again. And kind of having, you know, that embarrassing moment of missing the plane and kind of being a mess up, screw up. So I was sick all week. I had pharyngitis and like I lost like 20 pounds, bro. I couldn't eat. We were in trouble for the tattoo gate. So there was all this stuff going around. And it's so funny because after the game, because Coach Freeman for Notre Dame was the position coach, was the Leo coach, outside linebacker coach Leo's. And I always say this, Coach Haycock just kept putting me in the game, bro. I was gonna, I just kept putting me in the game. So the funny thing about it is that just the depth at that Leo position was just always so deep. So one of the things I told Coach Haycock, I was like, put me in that three tech. I have no problems with playing them in three tech. Either I get a really good pass rush or I'm getting thrown out the club, <laughs> which is three tech, you're lined up over the guard and they run the ball. So right, I'm getting taken to the end zone. But if I get a good pass rush, he kept putting me in on, in this game, bro. And I'm like, mind you, I'm sick. I'm like 10, 15 pounds light, in trouble. <laughs> so it was kind of eerie. So, And one of the memories of that game was me and Cam. Cam was at like the one, and I was at the three. So me and Cam were playing <laughs> like the whole game. It was just crazy, man. It was crazy. I talked about it on Tim's podcast, but you'll remember this. 30 Falcon was the play. And if you remember, we played Texas in the Fiesta Bowl, Colt McCoy. 
And to my understanding, that 30 Falcon play was the last play that game. Boston game that play. It was a safety blitz. I think that's super ballsy to call the same play that you lost the year before. No, two years before. You lost the game on that play. So it's crazy, man. Crazy, crazy, crazy time. It was <laughs> nuts. I remember the sidelines just I remember everyone kind of being shocked it was me. I think everyone thought it was B-roll at first. <laughs> it's like funny solid. because leading up to that that game, obviously we had bowl practice, right? Yeah. And they would call this play. And like the Leos are working on drops the entire time. And <laughs> I remember Solid being like, mate, dog, like, where am I supposed to drop to? Like, how are you supposed to drop? Like, I'm confused. I'm like, this is your area. And just read the quarterback's eyes. Like, you don't yeah. have to do anything else. Yeah. This is the best drop zone ever. I think you were three, two drop, two, yeah. two drop. So mm-hmm. he literally was just reading the quarterback's eyes. Like, and it was funny because I remember sitting on the sideline watching the play. Ryan Mallet drops back and he releases, and I was just looking at the area, and Solly was just sitting there. <laughs> like, I'm like, did he just throw the phone straight to Solly? Bro. I just kept going. And the next thing I know, Solly just grabbed it. Yeah, man. <laughs> That's all he can do, man. He was definitely. Tim said that because Tim was our corner. Tim said, he said, I never really expected y'all to do nothing besides be a traffic cone <laughs> just to be out there in a way. I'm like, yeah. damn, Tim. I mean, no shot, but I mean, that's what the D-line... Because I think Cam ended up intercepting the ball versus Miami that year. Yes, he did. And they wins. Yeah. So, I mean, it was a great play call. Yeah. Ali just happened to get his number. Quick, though. Hold on. I got to show you this because I still got the ball. Oh, yeah. The ball. Interception ball. I remember it. My dough just dropped. Man, there it is. Yeah, man. So, this is kind of dope because if you can see it, it has the razor back on it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I need to put this in the frame, but so when they go on the field, right, it's the, whoever team's ball it is. It's that baby right there. <laughs> it was hard to get this. It took me a while to get this. Oh, you didn't take it home with you that day? No, 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 I didn't. So when you get off the field, right, throw the ball back to the official. Right. And luckily, I think that official was on our sideline. He gave it to either one of our equipment managers or someone. Right, because if you think about it, technically this ball should go back to Arkansas. Right. But somehow, some way, I don't know. And so what happened was one of our equipment managers got it. And it took me a while to find out, you know, someone with loose lips talking about they got the ball. I'm like, what? <laughs> so I forget when it was. It might even have been the whole next year. I'm like, man, let me get that ball, bro. Like, now nah, he's like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm like, what you mean you can't do it? Let me get that ball. So I think, you know, there was a little under table trading and stuff. I think I had to give him one of my throwbacks or something, but just to get this ball, yeah. So yeah. It's crazy because I always tell people that, like with the racer back on it, but that was crazy. That was mind blowing, man. And because we were in trouble and you know, there's a great picture of Cam, Cameron Hayward, who was one of our roommates in the dorms, and we were all tight. And just Cam on his knees. Funny thing about it, Nate, is that that play. I think you have two threes, two three texts, and one of them drops. It's a play you, you read the back. And I remember thinking, they like, I don't even know if, I was like, I don't know if I'm supposed to drop or cancel the drop. I'm like, we got to be two dropping, <laughs> dropping back in coverage. So luckily, I did read it right and drop back. And it's, it was just, man, it was a beautiful, beautiful thing, man. Won the game. It's kind of messed up, though, but 
that win technically was vacated. Not technically, it was vacated. So hopefully in the future, man, that win gets to come back on the records. That'd be huge. Again, just knowing we beat an SEC team. I forget, there's some crazy stat. That was like the first time we've been an SEC team in X amount of years or something. So Yeah, that's like that you said before. That's like these little gems that you have out there. And then you bring the ball out. Man. And you had talked about like, you know, Fred's your freshman year where you have this low and then you have this high after mm-hmm. and you've referenced it a few times already. And so like that was already building up to it, right? And everyone was oh, against, yeah. as you know, Ohio against the world. Everyone was against Ohio State. They wanted to see that program just fall off a cliff. That was the last game the program ever plays and everything comes out after, right? Like, yeah. so like you hit that high. So the game ends, you go home. Now what's going on? Yeah, so it's funny because... <laughs> I always joke about this, like, man, I wish that was the night we got to stay in New Orleans. I was like, man, so, you know, now Coach Tress, he probably made an executive call on the side like, man, get Sally's black ass up out of New Orleans. <laughs> so, yeah, we fly back to Columbus. It's crazy, man. I actually still had pharyngitis to flare back up. I'd go get outpatient surgery and stuff. And you just had that scandal kind of looming, right? And honestly, that win kind of gave you a false sense of like security, right? It's the new year. That season's over. You kind of got this false sense of security, right? Things quiet down, honestly. Things were quiet in Columbus for the next couple months. That's probably January, February. Things were quiet. You didn't hear much. Again, the new year kind of washing over and a win. Within that spring, right? And Nate can talk about it from the whole of the kind of locker room. That spring comes, right? Different things in the media start coming out. There's different interviews coming on ESPN. There's a big outside the lines report. There's a big ESPN magazine report. And then it was like, and I'm just saying, it's like someone died, right? When the news came out that like Tress was going to have to leave, it was like literally someone died. It was like a funeral, literally like someone died. And any feelings of victory from the Sugar Bowl or any that just way. It almost like it took me till after college to appreciate the Sugar Bowl win and stuff because, like you said, that high to low, back to the high, back to low, it's just crazy. And it was just crazy from the media outlets, like swarming the city to hitting you up on social media. You know, social media kind of just started popping as far as like everything outside of Facebook, Twitter, and whatnot. And it was just crazy. It was a madhouse, right? And then me personally, that spring, in the spring game, I broke my fibula, right? So I'm getting off of my junior year, hoping to get so much more playing time, having that interception. I'm in the spring game. All while this is going on, right? The scandal. So the spring game was before Coach Stress had to leave, but broke my ankle. (laughs) So I'm on crutches for 12 weeks. I'm being told that like my leg will never heal. I need microfracture surgery. And then, you know, Coach Tress has to leave. So it was just a very dark, dark time. Honestly, if I look at it now, that Sugar Bowl game was like, that was the end of football for me. Hmm. Football was never the same. From the injuries to the coaching to just the feeling, that was the end of football. I feel like God did that to let me go out on that high note. But football was over for me after Mm -hmm. that so and i can look back on it now and see that because just nothing was the same body wasn't the same 
the feeling wasn't the same. It was just, it was bad. So, and probably until recently, until I reconnected with the four other guys that were involved in time, when I mean recently, I'm talking about last year, have I truly been able to like, not move on from it, but like be okay with it. Yeah. It's crazy. So hopefully soon we'll put together our story to tell our story, to tell some of those details and kind of, you know, there's a lot of things that people just don't know, right? When you get on Google, one of the biggest misconceptions I always tell people is people think that um, we gave our memorabilia away for tattoos. And it's like, the, you know, there's so many little nuances and different things and so many details that just, I mean, people don't know. I think, you know, it's our story. So working with the four other guys, we're trying to find the right way to tell our story because it's, it's nuts, man. It really is. I mean, do you remember where you were at or kind of what you kind of remember from that time? I do. Because I remember hearing the story when it first came out and what was going to happen. Yeah. And I remember, like I said before, it's just interesting to me how this university in the middle of Ohio yeah. has so many people hating it. Like mm-hmm. they just want bad things to happen. And I think it happens right with successful people. Like we saw it with mm-hmm. Kobe. We saw it with LeBron. We've seen if someone has success, they want to take them out and they're looking mm-hmm. for it. If you give them any sort of exposure, like you said, the media just shows up and they just want to take them out. You know, you hear these stories of people didn't like Trussell for some reason outside of Ohio State. And when you talk to anyone inside the program, it's all what you have said to this day. And it was like, wow, this is really happening. Like they're taking Trussell out. Troll Pryor, who's mm-hmm. Heisman favorite going into that season. I mean, he was a freshman dominating out there. And he's about, this is your national championship season, right? Like mm-hmm. that was the expectation and just wiped it out, gone. And now what? And so I remember like people were happy. Mm-hmm. And that was just like, like you said, what really happened here? Like, what is the mm-hmm. story? Because there's no way we know, because we see what the intent is of ESPN. I mean, they just want, they're just out for blood, right? You go pick up your phone right now and just read the headlines. Like, you know, it's all bad news. They're not looking for good news. And so, yeah, it was just a lot. There's a lot. And it's a lot, right? As someone who supports as a fan, who has experience, history, and with it all, and you see these players and the impact it has, not just on you all, but the team, the coaching, the family, the university, outside of that. And it's so crazy because in this short period of time, now they can use name, image, and likeness. So the hypocrisy oh, of it. Yeah. The hypocrisy, like, yeah. all that, for what, just to switch it and... So, yeah. go ahead. The, thing, wow. No, just to really piggyback on what Sally said, it was just a lot going on. And I think probably for our senior class, like, it was probably the end of football Man. after that Sugar Bowl. And the reason why I say that is because even going into winter workouts going into the spring game, like we weren't like other programs that could just concentrate only on football. Mm-hmm. And that was it. Like Coach Trussell was getting interviewed by the NCAA out in Indianapolis. And like every time you turned on ESPN, Ohio State was there. And they weren't talking about football. They were talking mm-hmm. about a scandal or whatever it may be. And even when the news first broke out before the Sugar Bowl, like there were names of players, like a whole bunch of names, mine included, and people calling me, hitting me up on Twitter. Can't believe you do this. We hate you. You need mm. to go and die. Like, mm-hmm. oh, like, and like Sally said, this one Twitter was just kind of like getting popular. Like random people hitting you up, 
And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, it went from like 35 people to, okay, it was only five people, right? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden the pressure shifted and it was only on these five people. Mm-hmm. So as a teammate, as someone who's seen these guys grow and worked out with them and gone through so much with them to see them going through all of this, it was like, it was, it was trash, number one, because you know, these are your brothers. So yeah. to hear people just talking crazy, it was wild. And yeah. go through spring ball, have Coach Trust there. Then all of a sudden you get a text from Coach Gillum at like, 11.45, saying, mm-hmm. hey, there's a team meeting tomorrow morning. I know some of you are out of town, so if you can't get back, no big deal. But just want to let you know it's a team meeting at 8. So mm-hmm. when I got that text, I kind of already knew what it was. Mm-hmm. So I just got in the car. I drove back from Cleveland down to Columbus, went to the meeting, and that's when Coach Tressel announced that he was going to resign. So that happened. And you think, man, it's the lowest that it can get, right? Going into the summer during camp, and then all of a sudden, here goes more interviews. Mm-hmm. We're getting interviewed by, I guess, compliance and NCAA literally the entire 2011 football season. Like it was multiple people getting interviewed. I think I got interviewed every two weeks. Yeah. It was a constant, like, Multiple suspensions. Multiple suspensions throughout that yeah. year. If you go back and look at it, like it was an entire investigation oh, the entire yeah. time. Like we weren't at full strength for a while. I know boom and the beers suspensions yeah. like kept getting pushed even more. I think yeah. the beer had like seven or eight games. It was just crazy. So and it went to twelve. Then went to, yeah, to your it was point, just a lot. To your point, there was like three different investigations because there's mm-hmm. people like Baby J and mm-hmm. Travis Howard that got like one game suspensions. They had an investigation with some up in Cleveland, mm-hmm. construction thing. They had dinners. And so, so to Eric's point, once they start come digging and looking for blood, and you're right, I never thought about that name. We weren't able to focus. It's almost like the passion, the juice for football was taken out. You were more kind of not scared, but preoccupied. or And everyone, coaching, everyone. I mean, you can't go compete at the highest level with that moment. So I never really thought about it. Like, that's a very good point. Yeah. And that's on top of you got Coach Fick, who's now taking over the program. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yo, we got to play for his job. Mm-hmm. On top of everything else that was going on. So it was like, uh, it was a stressful time. That's for sure. Yeah. Go what ahead. were those first games like, Nate? Let me, I don't know if I've ever asked you this. What were those first couple games like where all of us were suspended? Like, because I know. I mean, Akron Toledo was fine. Right. Yeah. I think Colorado may have been one of those games. In Miami, at Miami. Going down to Miami. Like going back and looking at that game, Miami was not better than us. Yeah. We just were like at this weird spot. And then <laughs> unfortunately they got they put the <laughs> pass chart up for Joe Just Bowserman, who's that quarterback, and they had the pass chart. <laughs> In the parking <laughs> going lot. into the parking lot the stands. <laughs> there was just a lot going on. But yeah, they weren't better than us. And even like, say, the Michigan State game, mm-hmm. Michigan State wasn't better than us. We just, we could not win, if that makes yeah. sense. Like, we yeah. were beating the brakes off in Nebraska. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, they come back and have their largest school, like, come from behind yeah. victory ever. Mm. Me and Boone came back for that game. Nebraska, that was the first time we put Nebraska just joined the Big Ten. Yep. Yeah, I never really thought about that, what it was like. 
<laughs> well, I, funny story is uh, we were suspended, and this is something we'll talk about in a documentary. But the first game, I think it was Miami of Ohio or something like that. Oh, it was in Akron, probably. Akron. Everybody came over here, like Mike, Depot, Terrell. You know, I convinced them there should be a gentleman's club right here. So <laughs> I convinced everyone to go to the gentleman's club. You know, knowing me, rowdied me. I'm like, man, fuck it. Let's just go to the season. Let's just go to the gentleman's club. Let's just have a drink. You know, this is Friday night. So y'all are at the hotel, the black club. So we go over to the gentleman's club. And it was a bad choice because everyone in there knew Mike was bottling up. <laughs> Mike was in there going in. I was just going in. And then someone like blogged or someone sent something like suspended Ohio State Buckeyes out partying or something. So that Monday, sure enough, compliance was like, yeah, y'all don't need to be going out. Like, y'all stay in the house or whatever. Doug Archie was like, yeah, don't go out in public. So, <laughs> and it was funny because for the last four years of your life, you know exactly where you're at Friday before game, a home game. You're at the Blackwell. And so we were on some, some trash. But that whole year was just weird. It was like a year of like yeah. hopelessness. You know, we were the last in your class to lose in Michigan until last year. That was Denari Robinson and Brady Hoke and Braxton's mm-hmm. person. I actually saw Braxton a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, you know, the little homie Braxton has blacked out so many of those memories because, you know, he had so much success with Urban, but we were last in your class to lose in Michigan. And it was, man, you talk about tough, that bus ride home. I mean, with everything else going on. With everything I, going on. And we lost Kansas. And then the also, whole thing, and then it was just Urban Meyer. Remember when Urban got introduced mm-hmm. to the team? When we, I'll never forget that night. Was uh, it was on Christmas? We went to the James to do our Christmas outreach with the cancer mm-hmm. patients and whatnot. And again, to your point, we knew what was going on. We knew the little rumors rumbling, mm-hmm. and so we get back, and they're like, "We got a team meeting," and we're like, "All right." And I just remember Urban coming in. <laughs> and you know how the, the meeting room was set up, the senior sat in the front. Remember, there was a lot of insults. Oh my God. There was a lot of insults. Oh my God. <laughs> it was like, bro, and it was crazy. And then, you know, ironically, we were playing Florida in the Gatorville. Mm. And I just remember that whole week you'd be out, because I don't think us nor. Florida wanted to be in that damn Gator Ball. Nobody wanted to be there. No, but so we'd be out in Jacksonville and we would see them and man, them dudes were not happy about Irv Mark coming to Ohio State. Let's just say that. One player who will remain <laughs> anonymous looked at me and said, Hey yo, if you see Urban, let him know when I see him out, I got him. I was like, oh. <laughs> I was like, all right. Let's see when you're young and and you're hurt like that and bitter, you don't understand it's business. They're like, now that I'm older, so beer and wine of Urban Meyer's restaurant in Dublin. And I've seen Urban over the years. And like, I used to think he was like the meanest dude on the earth. And like, every time I see him, he remembers me. And I'm like, all right, he's not mean. It's business. But at the time, you get bitter about it. But, and, you know, came here and he won. Yeah, we don't agree with all the things he did, but that's not up to us. That man just got a program up. And that's the way he does it. So. His job was to win games, and he did it. Yeah. Was what it was. Yeah. Gentlemen, I got to run, eh? <laughs> no, you all good, brother. Yeah, you man. Good. Hopefully, we'll be able to do a part two once some things get rolling. We do have an NDA about oh, the tattoo scandal, but I would love to get 
some of the guys on here once we put some stuff on wax, on film. Because, you know, one of the beautiful things, Nate, is you were part of that team. I mean, you are a part of that story. I would love to do something where we go more in detail about maybe we go week to week in our senior season and kind of, you know, look at the schedule and kind of talk about what was going on and whatnot. That Michigan game, we can go in more details of that. But you were part of it, man. And, and me and you both know you were part of it in a way. Boy, so, boy, boy. Yeah. We will talk. Yeah. So, sure. gentlemen, I appreciate it. We appreciate you, Sam. Sam, thank you, man. It's good talking to you. Good to meet you. Sorry to cut it short. No, you did what we'll do for you, Sally. For everything that you just said, I'm going to connect you with Eric. And that way you can have your whole, almost a series set up. Yeah, yeah. Talking about it. I feel like that would make the most sense. So they can just track it. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, man. (laughs) So that'd be good. It's a lot of details. Yeah. Talk for hours. Oh, you have yeah. no idea. Man. We didn't even like, started, man. But, like, yeah. that's the beautiful thing about it. But, no, I appreciate it. Gentlemen, go Bucks! Shout out to all the little homies. I'm with the Buckeyes. We wish them well. Good season. Beat Michigan. And make that money. Don't let it make you, if I was saying anything to the young Buckeyes. So, well, there it is. Much love. Thank you. I'll talk to y'all soon. Come on, brother. Yes, sir. Yep. Man. Man. A few. The, the stories yeah. that we could tell. Well, yeah. they will be told, I should say. Yeah. It was a lot. It is a lot. I could just tell right off the bat. There's so many stories. There's so much to just take in with all of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, he talked about, and we could talk more about it, when he comes back on, you know, you Trestle and how he was protecting, right? Protecting you. Because he got in trouble, from what I understand, for protecting his players. And I remember he talking to my dad, who graduated from Ohio State, late 60s, and we always taught, like, I remember getting in trouble in school, and I was always looking, like, they weren't looking out for me. Like, they didn't protect me. Mm-hmm. And then you see someone like a trestle, and there was always, like, one or two people that were. Mm-hmm. And those are the people I remember, because they knew what was up. And they might get in trouble, like trestle did, because they didn't cave to a Doug Archie. The university, mm-hmm. the NCAA, they told what it was and they had to face the consequences for that, I suppose. But it's like, what were those consequences? Like, they continue to have that relationship with their play. They know what's right. Like, when they sit alone at night, they know what they did was the right thing. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But man, because I was even thinking, like, when everyone wanted to bring Ohio State down, they thought they just did. And Trestle had taken this whole mindset of like, you just beat Michigan every year, right? Like, that's just what we do. Mm-hmm. Well, then it's like the timing of it and somehow Urban, like love him or hate him, he raises the program even, right, to another level and they're recruiting like all over the country yep. to now to where they have Ryan Day leading the program. Mm-hmm. That is just so much to it because they thought they had Ohio State dead to rights. Like, that was it. No. And they brought him down, like you said. Like, how could you as a late teenager, early 20s, deal with all that stuff as a football player. Like, that was the last time Michigan beat Ohio State, but it's like, there's a lot more going on for Ohio State. And I think Mm -hmm. anyone, even Michigan players, would have to say, yeah, that wasn't typical. Like, Uh, y'all would have beat the brakes out of them if you had your team. I mean, definitely (laughs) was not typical. Even with the team that we had, with everything that was going on, Mm. we still should beat Michigan. Yeah, yeah. Like, it wasn't like, oh yeah, they beat us and... yep. They beat us by four touchdowns. Like, 
They won because Braxton overthrew the beer. Yeah. Like literally it was one yeah. play. As a that's, freshman. That's why you right? won. Yeah, as a freshman. Like, yeah. The, the reason why he won is because he overthrew the book. Yeah. Which he makes that throw nine times out of ten. Right. Just barely overthrows him. It wasn't yeah. like horrible overthrow. But yeah. Yeah, man. I, I think that's what's really just so special about Ohio State when you go from Trestle to Urban and Ryan Day and the program yeah. is still going up, right? Yeah. And when you look at like programs that have a great history like a Nebraska, they can't say that they can rebound like Ohio State did. Mm-hmm. So I think that really is a testament of who we are, our tradition, and really the expectation of Ohio State football, regardless of what era it is. Mm-hmm. It's that coach's job and the player's job to uphold that tradition. And yeah. Keep on bringing in the players and the coaches that you need in order to be successful. And I think they've done a great job at that. So, yeah. One thing I want to talk about, if we can throw this on here too. Yeah, absolutely. I got a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. So now we go back. So I want to stay with the theme of like, people just don't like Ohio State. And I get it, right? They've had success. It's like, there's a lot of hate. You get on Twitter and it's like, all I'm seeing is Ohio State, the punter fakes it. He runs. This is in the Rutgers game and he takes off and he gets hit. And then they get yeah. into it on the sidelines. It's not even just about Ohio State, and you could take this how you want. It's just the state of sports, maybe, and youth sports. It's where, like, the last I checked, Rutgers is in the Big Ten. Maybe they're not as good as Ohio State. Maybe Ohio State beats them by average of 41 points every time they play, and it doesn't look good. But I'm like, hey, if you don't want to lose, then don't show up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Football is a four-quarter game. Mm-hmm. When did it become where, like, and I get it, the punter just made a play. I mean, Rutgers is all out going after the block is Ohio state supposed to just take it and just allow them to come in. Like it bothers me that people are just like their feelings were hurt that that happened and that Ohio state kept playing. And it's like, well, maybe the punter for Ohio state is going to be sitting in the room with say the Seattle Seahawks one day. And let's say he does punt the ball and the coaches look at him and say, were you scared to run it? Did you think you were going to get hit? Because we're looking for guys on our team that aren't afraid to get hit, even if you're a punter. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's trying to put tape for the NFL. There's so many layers to all of this, right? It's like Ohio State hate. It's the fact that it's a four-quarter football game. This is the Big Ten Conference. Like, we're not playing a division, whatever, subdivision team. You know what I'm getting at. Like, No, no I get it. I mean, I look at it like, it wasn't like the coaches drew up the play like, hey, this is going to be a fake punt. Right. Number one. Right. Number two, he chose to run because that's what was open and available. And I'm sure they practiced it. And they probably practiced it so many times to where it was kind of natural for him to go and just do it. Because you know, if it looks this way, it's that wide open, you take off. If that's what you're coached up to do, you can't get mad when the body takes over and does it, even though you're up by what 30 points or whatever it may have been at that time. Also, I see how it looks on the outside. Like, I can't believe that he would run this fake punt and he's up by so many points. That's not good sportsmanship, but you have to continue to play the game. And for Rutgers, like it's your fault that he has a defense, I should say, because at the end of the day, punt return your own defense until you get the ball until the punter catches it. Then you go on the offense. But as a, someone who played special teams and was on punt return, like it's your job to ensure that the ball is kicked. Like yeah. they didn't do their job. Yeah. Even if they were going for the block, then that's the risk of going for a block. Yeah. It's possible that you're going to be left wide open and the punter's going to take off on you. Yeah. My only issue with that entire thing was that the kid from Rutgers hit him so far out of bounds. 
he was in bounds or even a step away from going out of bounds, I was okay with it. Yeah. He was a smooth, like maybe yard and a half, two yards. Like, yeah. He was already going out of bounds. He wasn't running towards you. Yeah. And I mean, it is what it is. If people are upset about it, so be it. Yep. What do you want me to say? I'm not defending it. However, yeah. It's just the game you play. Yeah. You play all yeah. four quarters. You play until there's zeros on the clock. It is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And it's right that if he does get hit inbounds, well, that's the risk the punter takes by running it. I mean, you might be taking a nap on the field a little bit. Like it's just what it is. So be but it. he didn't. And I <laughs> think it's cool though that it looked like the entire Ohio State sideline, or at least whoever could see it, who was right there, they got in it, right? Ryan oh, yeah, Day they, gets in it. Shiano, first of all, he's on the other sideline. Somehow he's on Ohio State sidelines. That's a problem. And I get it. He's trying to pull people off. Keeps taking the approach of I need to go and protect my player. For sure. There's one of them. And there's a whole sideline of the yeah. other, right? Yeah. And I see for sure people around him. I need to go and protect this kid. And they see that he's got their back, right? So that's yeah. for their side. That's cool too. I was okay with him running over right. there and doing that. Yeah. Him and Ryan Day were going at it. And yep. I think Coach Day ended up saying, hey, it was just two guys protecting their players. And yep. I'm okay with what he did yep. running off to the other. Like, yep. That's what he's supposed to do. So I'm great with that. Yeah. And I think it comes down to, though, like, you got to play the game. This is the four quarter. Like, Ohio State's building something for later too. Like when they put the quarterback in the game, the backup, pick any backup. We want to see what he can do. The coaches want to see what they have. They want to give him experience. So when Stroud, for example, plays his first game and he's the starting quarterback, he had not thrown a pass in a real game. Mm-hmm. Now there was a COVID and there, you know, yeah, Ohio yeah. State didn't put teams away that year. So that was the struggle. But it's like, that's why you do this. This isn't, you're just not playing for that one moment. You're playing for many, many years, like you all are talking about. Like, and now we have McCord, who at least has a start under his belt versus what was that, Akron last year? Yeah. I think it was. Yep. And he's getting a lot of playing time this year. And then even then, you have Devin Brown who's coming and he's throwing a few passes. Yep. And I mean, that's what you want to see. Yeah. So, yeah, that's good stuff. I love it. And just to go back on that punt really quick. I'm pretty sure Rutgers will go back and, well, what's today? Today's Monday? Yeah. I'm sure they watched film yesterday. So I'm pretty sure they watched film and said, guys, we can't let this happen. We have to keep contained regardless if we're going for a block or not. Yeah. So they're coaching them up on there. Yes. Yeah. From a defensive mindset, like it's your fault on the defense that he was even able to run this fake. Yeah. And have it be successful. So they're going to clean it up on film. Yeah. And I think that's what's cool. Yeah. I think what's cool is, the football teams do football things in the media and everyone else has all this stuff going around it, but it does have a way of bringing, and you could tell me this, of bringing the locker room together, making them tighter to say like, we all got each other's back yep. and they are coming after us, but let's block that out and let's do our football thing. Mm-hmm. We don't have to worry about the nonsense. And you all talked about social media and people hitting you up on Twitter back during the tattoo gate. Yeah. And you're like, Nowadays, it's to another level. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. And you got to block it out. Yeah, you got to block it out. One of the guys I listen to, Simon Arias, who has a podcast, and he's doing very well in the insurance industry. He read something that says, if you're the president of the United States, 50% of the country is going to hate you. So regardless of how good you are, regardless of what you do for people, regardless of, I guess, how many hospital visits you do or how many kids you go and see at the schools telling them to do the right thing. 
there's still going to be people that hate you. If the president of the United States has 50% of the country hating them, then it's more than likely that 50%, if not more, are going to hate you playing football. Not necessarily hate you, but hate Ohio State football. What you stand for, what you represent. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. you just got to block it out. And like you said, they have to know that they have each other's backs. But I mean, these guys play sports. They know and see the hate that a lot of athletes get, in particular, like LeBron James. His hate is, to me, is just weird. Like, he gets hated on for like, I'm like, bro, you're mad because people are comparing him to Michael Jordan. That's the only reason why you hate him, number one, because Jordan is like your idol, right? And that's fine. I think there's more. Like, he does nothing wrong. Are you mad because he has a super team? He's just successful. I think the leaving Cleveland... It's weird for you to hate somebody like it that. It is. The leaving Cleveland, but that happened so long ago. And things have I mean, like evolved since, like changed since then. But he left Cleveland, but he also brought in, I guess, a new era of the I call it the AAU, yeah, of the NBA or the super teams. So he brought that new era, and people saw like, hey, you know what? That's cool and all, but we're probably going to switch it up. And I think the NBA is somewhat outside of trades here and there have kind of brought back to kind of building it through the draft. Which yeah. outside of KD, that's what the Warriors KD. pretty much did. Yeah. 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 That's what the Warriors did. They yeah. built through the draft. And they did it again. So it's weird. I was telling my son this and, you know, the NBA season as we're talking is getting ready to start. Mm-hmm. But we're all living in a time where one of the greatest basketball players of all time is playing and has been playing. Mm-hmm. And there's like, like you just said, there's so much hate towards it as opposed to, like, wouldn't you as a young, wouldn't you want to see Jordan play? See Magic play? See Bird play? Like in their primes? Like, and you have LeBron doing it. You had Kobe doing it not that long ago. And it's like, maybe if like there was, again, this is like, maybe it's being noble. Maybe it's if you had this appreciation for how good they are and what they're doing out there, like, as opposed to just being so mad about it. It is, it is weird to have that, that level of hate because it runs deep, man. And they just hate it. It's, I don't know. I hope he has a good year. I was actually saying, I was like, I hope, and the Lakers, I don't know what the Lakers are, but I would like LeBron to, I mean, it's just not the same when he's not in the playoffs. Like, it's just not the same. Well, LeBron's not in the playoffs when his teams are, well, his teams could still be bad, but as long as LeBron's playing yeah. and he's in the playoffs, the game's better. It's yeah. kind of like one of those things where Ohio State football needs to be good and then college football is great. Yeah. Or even Michigan, and I hate saying it like this, uh, but we need you guys to be good. So that the rivalry yeah. is still great. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's certain teams where you just kind of need it. Like Notre Dame, I'm not really a Notre Dame fan, really, but it's good for college football yeah. when Notre Dame is good. Yeah. Just one of those things. So yeah. Yeah, people are just haters at the end of the day and haters are gonna hate. That's it. <laughs> That's what it, it, is, man. What it is. Yeah. Man, this is good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. And then we have what, Michigan State coming up on Saturday, I think 4 p.m. kickoff, I think it is. Yeah, I saw that they were, was a 24-point favorite, maybe? 24 and a half point. They just lost to Maryland, right? 24-17 or yeah. something crazy? Yeah. I mean, just like any other team, they're going to give Ohio State everything they got. Yep. They're going to try to ruin our season, especially since their season's not going as as great as it should, especially after they're paying so much for it. The head coach. Mm. Again, it's one of those things where Ohio State just has to go in there and play our brand of football, yeah. which we have been, right? First road game. Yeah, I guess, yeah, it is. That's wild to think yeah. about, but yeah. 
But East Lansing's not a horrible place to play. I can think of worse places as far as like your first road game. Yeah. East Lansing's not one of them. It's a 4 p.m. start. So it, we should be fine. And we're going to run the ball as always. Hopefully Henderson's back healthy. If not, I mean, Mayan Williams has done a great job mm. at running back. And Hayden came in again towards the end of the year or end of the game. Yeah. On Saturday. And he's got a little he did song. what he did. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited for him. But yeah. Mostly, I'm excited to see Mayan Williams, man. I mean, what do you have? Five touchdowns five. last week? He had like 19 carries and all that. I was just like... Bro, he was doing it, man. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He's finally hitting his stride, so... They are running the ball. Mm -hmm. Stroud, I mean, Stroud, Stroud. He's a great quarterback. You yeah. know, it wasn't his best game. And that's okay. And it's like, you got the defense is playing well. And again, mm -hmm. they're playing Rutgers. So maybe they chose the right time to have not their best game on offense. Yeah. Mayan's... Like, if you just are running the ball that well, like, I was... Thinking like nature, I was like, just run the ball. Just keep running it. Why stop? Be fine. Just run the ball. Yeah. Just get on out of here. You know, the clock keeps rolling. Just keep yeah. running. Yeah, we're yeah. fine. We're fine. Yeah. No, man. Stroud didn't have his best game, but I think he's a Heisman front runner. Finally. Yeah. Oh, man. I think the second was a Caleb Williams is second, I think, maybe. Yeah. But either way, I mean, he'll be fine. He's going to clean everything up. He doesn't even have his, and these other receivers, I mean, Fleming looks good. Fleming man. looks great. He looks he really looks great. good. Maybe the best pound for pound player in the entire country, possibly. One of has even he played. Hasn't. hasn't. And I don't know. There's a lot of rumors, and I don't know. Like, I can't get into that stuff. Oh, what rumors? I haven't heard any rumors. Like, rumors like he might shut it down, rumors that he's more hurt. I'm like, I'm not buying it. Uh, I mean, he might be more hurt based off of what he got hit in Notre Dame. Well, because it like just doesn't heal, right? When Bosa yeah. got hurt, but he was like a lock to be a top three pick. Yeah, he was allowed to be a top three pick, but then he ended up tearing something. Yeah, when he got hurt. Yeah, yeah, that, so yeah, he had the groin. Yeah. yeah, so that's a little bit different. But yep. those hamstrings he's dealing with, those are different because yeah. you just don't know. Those hamstrings aren't the easiest to come back from because yeah. even when you're on paper supposed to be cleared, that thing it may not be ready to go full speed. Yeah. So they got October eighth. They got on the road Michigan State. And they mm -hmm. got a bye week, and then they have Iowa. Now we get into the games. You got Iowa at home. You got Penn State on the road. Mm -hmm. That's where you want him healthy. So my guess would be he's coming out after the bye week. Yeah, I would say after the bye week because, I mean, we don't need him. And that's a great problem to have. And it's great that Fleming is stepping up because I don't think teams can game plan for him. Yeah. Also, I don't think teams realize how big that kid really is. Man. Like, he's a huge receiver. Yeah. The people like, that, yeah. like you don't know. and You don't necessarily have film on him. Well, except for this year, because he was, you know, had a lot of injuries leading up to this. So, yeah, that's very hard to game plan for someone that you do not know. And he's fast, too, man. He's just, oh, he's like, what? <laughs> that man rolls. Yeah. I remember hearing about him when he was coming out of high school. So I've been waiting on him yeah. to actually be who he is right now. So I'm excited. Well, it's interesting because they talked about him and uh, JSN and how they played in different levels of high school. It's neither one's fault, right? JSN mm -hmm. playing like the toughest conference in all of high school football and Fleming's just kind of just steamrolling guys left and right. So it right. takes time because he came right in, JSN, and was like right away. You could see he was ready to play and Fleming, it took some time. Mm -hmm. Same time, you know, you go to Penn State on the road. I know it's not the night game, but it's still tough. I would imagine that's a tough environment. The Valley's tough. You mm -hmm. want him, you want experience on the field when things because inevitably, it's not going to be, you would think, it's not going to go your way the entire time. Yeah, it's not going to go your way the entire time. And I think having people with experience that have been in these hostile environments that can go in there and actually keep their composure 
is huge, but it also helps that you have a field general and CJ Stroud, who's kind of yeah. like, yeah, I've been here before. Man. Just relax, everybody calm down. And yeah. then you'll have an offensive line and running backs that can run the ball and take it a distance. So yeah. a lot of that pressure is off. Then it also helps that our defense is playing fast to playing yeah. great football. Steel Chambers had a great game last game, Man. by the way. But yeah, they're playing well. So yeah. I think going into a place like Happy Valley, having number one, the confidence from this year, but also guys with a little bit of experience that, especially traveling up to Michigan last year, experiencing that loss and being in, on the road in a hostile environment is going to help them going into Happy Valley. And I don't want to go too far ahead because we still got to play yeah. Michigan State, right? Yep. As far as crazy stadiums, I mean, yeah, Happy Valley is definitely tough, but definitely got to get this dub in Michigan State first before we move on to there. Yeah. But yeah, I think it helps. I like it. Our man. Let's do it. In case you haven't noticed, we love podcasts. In fact, we love building podcasts, everything from development to production. Because of all that, we're building a -a one-of-a-kind podcast network. If you have a podcast or looking to launch a new podcast, then we should talk. You can message me on Twitter at Eric underscore Kaz or hit us up any way that works for you. Let's talk about your podcast joining this one-of-a-kind podcast network.